What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hold My I, as always, Elon Thrust Ranch, because I be dressing. I forgot some of my other nicknames, but Matt Backus here is always with your other host, Joel Wachowski. Hello, breadheads. Gather around and join the Gluten Gang for It is Time to Carbo Load. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the $4,888.40 podcast. We are swimming. We, we don't have any big gains today, but Pinterest, one of the stocks we really ballied real, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, it's now gone up five times from our initial purchase price. It's seventy-one fifty-one as I speak, and it's nice to win one of these. Maybe Neo's cooling off. Maybe some of our other profits are, are slowing down. But hey, Pinterest, it'll be there for us at the end of the day, just like we are a housewife surfing for home decor. <laughs> yeah, Neo has cooled off. It had a real hot run there for a couple days in a row, and so it's it's bound to happen. I mean, it's, there's no way we've reached our ceiling with that. I I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, well, that that speculation that it might Chinese stocks may be taken off uh, U.S. Wall Street listings. So that's the speculation. It's not related to their health as a company or anything that Neo's doing. But you know, it's a little bit of a speck of bother on the horizon. So. Yeah, it's not going to be the hottest stock on all of the all of the tickers right now, but I'm fine holding on to it. And you wanted to sell, but I was just like, I mean, we have profit, so it's not like we lost right. anything yet. We got a, a ways to go before losing anything, right? And that's how, we, and you know, we that's how we invest. We don't uh, we don't start to sell until it looks like we're going to lose everything. Yeah, we we got to lose everything. That's why we are here, but. People are making money right now, specifically my mother, specifically anyone who got in on any of these IPOs this week. And, literally today. Oh, yeah, literally today. So my mom, she we talked about it, and you know what? Um, I was like, you got to buy it. You got to buy it. And it came out today. She bought $5,000 worth, and within the, an hour, it doubled. That's amazing. So your mom is rolling it right now. Yeah, it opened at $68. It closed at $144. So easy double right there. And it's it was the same case yesterday. It happened with DoorDash. And DoorDash doubled in its first day on the ticker. So at this point in time, maybe just buy every new stock that comes out. Yeah, and if it's IPO and you need to be IB buying, you know what I mean? That's what I say. <laughs> Yeah, if it's it just rolls off the tongue. That's why we say if it's IPO and I be buying. That's what I'm saying. That's what, that'll be our, that'll be our T-shirts. We're gonna when we sell merch eventually. If it's IPO and I be buying, and you better be buying because I, a lot of good gains out there today. I, I I can't understand how that would even look. It'd just be a lot of eyes on the shirt. It seems like it would just cause dyslexia just from looking at it. Well, we don't want dyslexia. Dysle- I can't even say that See, word. See, you, you brought the curse on yourself. <laughs> oh no, I've been come. I've come down with a case of dyslexia. That's how they get you. Uh, yeah, if you're dyslexic, uh, write into the podcast, or maybe maybe Skype into the podcast. <laughs> Send us a video message. You don't have to type it out. Yeah, tell us how to speak. It, it'd be yeah. great. And these were kind of some funny. Funny openings, really. They tried to do hybrid auctions. They tried to put them out for sale in an interesting way. They, I'm no DoorDash partnered up with 
couple big underwriters. I know that Airbnb had their direct offerings, and it a lot of people made money on these. It, the speculation is that they were priced below their like price points to have this big first day that was built into it the entire time. So props for them for making it happen. Yeah, but it's interesting because I think, I mean, DoorDash closed up crazy high, correct? Yeah, DoorDash closed crazy high. That was yesterday. Today, Airbnb closed very high. It's interesting to me, though, because if you, I mean, I don't see how DoorDash is sustainable. No, DoorDash, I don't see how DoorDash is proprietary at all. There's a ton of companies that do exactly what DoorDash does and like on its worth yesterday, are you really going to believe that DoorDash is worth more than Chipotle, Domino's, and Dunkin' combined? I don't know about that. You absolutely nailed it. There's nothing they do that's proprietary at all. Um, I think they're going to lose. I think this is going to be a huge story because it's one of the biggest IPOs to file in a while. And, you know, if you got in and you were able to time it, like, congratulations, good on you. But I really don't see how this has any... Um, I don't know. To be up 180 already seems very high. I think there's this might be a very shortable stock. Now I don't know the time. I don't know the timeline of that. Uh, if I did, I'd be way more wealthy than I am. But I I do think it's got potential to go down um, substantially here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So a few months back, like June 10th, Grubhub was purchased by a European company, and like. The valuation that Grubhub held, and I don't know about you, but I, I view food delivery, that's that's Grubhub. They're all Grubhubs. Uber Eats, that's a fun new version of Grubhub. DoorDash, it's a more fun new version of Grubhub. Postmates, it sounds like a threesome app, so I don't use that one. <laughs> that does sound like a dating app. Yeah, I mean, I have used it before, and uh, thankfully I did ask for extra napkins in my request, so it worked out for everybody. I did use Postmates one time, and it was the strangest food delivery. I tried to write, uh, I tried to like write it down because it was so, it felt so strange. But I ordered Taco Bell on Postmates, and the guy um, literally pulled up in front of my apartment. Uh, he was with some older woman. He literally rolled his window down, said my name, and then just held, handed a bag of Taco Bell out of the bag, like, out of the window, and none of it was sealed. Like none of it, like DoorDash. I don't know if it's a DoorDash thing or if they, but like if you get mcdonald's or if you get anything delivered they seal it with like stickers so it can't be t- well my taco bell was just like in a loose taco bell bag the tacos were like loosely wrapped I, it was just so crazy and but that's you the, believe I that's the rule that's the rule with mexican food the worse it's presented to you the better it is like the best mexican food restaurant on the planet it's not some michelin starred like fancy establishment it's the place people go where they get off work and i think your doordash driver was trying to give you that experience yeah it's true maybe you're right honestly i mean i ate it and i'm here to tell the tale and that happened a couple years ago so but i still remember i still i think it was my first and last time with postmates or with uber eats with Uh, uber eats or yeah, I mean, which one was it, Matt? You're under fire right now. They all run. They all run together. You know, they're all bad for the economy on, in some way. Yeah, and I don't understand that. Okay, so DoorDash, I they, they're valued at like all seventy one point eight billion. They've got fifty percent of the U.S. market share in an extremely competitive food delivery industry. And let's talk about how competitive this food delivery industry is. I live over in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I was given a tip that. Nortenia, 
is the best place to get Mexican food delivered. And I was given one piece of advice on top of that. They said, whatever you do, no matter how hungry you are, do not get Nortenia 2. It's not the same Nortenia. What what what's Nortenia too? So there's a, a there's a place in the Greenpoint Williamsburg area. They deliver great Mexican food. They're called La Nortenia. They had a frustrated employee. He quit. He started his own. We're talking about how competitive these sectors are. He quit Nortenia. He started up Nortenia too. Now he's up on all these apps we're talking about: Grubhub, DoorDash, Seamless, Uber Eats, FoodShare.com, and. Piggybacking it, off the name. Yeah, Nortenia 2, and they call it number two because that food is absolute shit. It's no hey. good. It's not the Nortenia experience. And, yeah, I mean, DoorDash, they're not the only people who need to protect what they've built. DoorDash needs to couple with Nortenia, get these full Nortenia 2s out of the app. We need to really crack down, improve this whole sector, and it starts with DoorDash and Nortenia 2. I wonder if there's a way to to like uh, sign contracts, exclusivity contracts with a certain brand. Like if Nortenia decides, hey, we're only if you DoorDash is like you come here, you play for us, you don't sell through any other app. Like kind of like streaming services do with shows. I wonder if they would do that. Yeah, I mean, I think they will. And like the thinking behind all this is that. DoorDash is going to last because people don't change their habits. Once you're, once you're in the way of doing something, a new habit is formed. There's a couple trains of thought. Maybe 21 days is enough to make a new habit. Maybe it takes 90 days, but it's a period of time. And with this like shutdown, with this weird 2020 year we've had, we're all in the habit of just deliver, getting food delivered. Nobody cooks. We buy mm-hmm. everything over the internet. And all the people behind DoorDash are like, it's the same as people booking travel over the internet. It's the same as people buying, you know, things off Amazon. So we're going to be here. But we're also talking from New York perspective, you know? I do believe that people, you know, like in the Midwest, um, in, in smaller places, they're probably not using DoorDash as much as we no, are. No, 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 they, they are. It's, um, it's, we're, un, we're less familiar because we're New Yorkers. DoorDash is actually focused on suburban areas, and because families there place larger orders and that's what that kind of approach that you know differentiation in the marketplace has allowed them to control half of the US food delivery market and they're up 33% from a year ago so they've been doing pretty well with their strategy interesting um well and i do know i mean i know that like i kind of mentioned this earlier but like the all these food delivery companies the restaurants absolutely hate them because they're just they're you know, stealing. They, yeah, they, they, they're, they're they take money out. Them. Yeah, they're just, you know, gouging them left and right. So I do think, I mean, I don't know. It's all It's been said about a bunch of different stocks. But once the vaccine comes out, once we are able to be out more, I do think that's going to hurt them. I do think that restaurants now need them. Um, but I think hopefully, and I would imagine, you know, I, I don't know if they'll, obviously they're not going to go away. But I do think there are some, some restaurants that are going to be very excited to not have to rely on them as heavily as they probably are right now. Maybe. And it, it is kind of funny how the like stock price was actually sold. So they sold different amounts at different like monetary denominations. And, you know, big investors, they needed to pay more. 
So DoorDash, they kind of got like an inventory of what all these different demographics were willing to buy the stock for. So by na- a lot of these institutions, they named their own price in, in they were able to get a good amount of it. In Airbnb, they totally did this same technique with, and they coupled with Robinhood to do it. I mean, if buying a stock isn't hard enough, you're going to add like an auction element to it. Auctions, they didn't improve anything. Auctions make are worse, a worse buyer experience no matter where they are. It's fun, but you always end up paying more. Uh, it is. Yeah, auctions are fun. I don't know if I've ever won an auction before. I've won like silent auctions that I've placed as a bit and like won some stupid thing. Like I, I won a carving of Bin Laden. Because I, I was what happened to that. I gave it away as a secret Santa at a, <laughs> at a Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever won an auction. Uh, not even a silent auction. Not even as a bit auction. Yeah, you um, you got to win some of these bit auctions. Yeah, I, I you know at least it's still a win, even if it's a bit, it's a win. Um, well, interesting. Yeah, so I, I will definitely be interested to see about the how the price of the DoorDash um, stock how that maintains or peaks, and I'll, I'll be watching that closely. I'm very excited to see that. So, but I'm excited about your mom's Airbnb win. That's great. Yeah, she's not allowed to sell till the 14th, but I think she's gonna just get rid of she's gonna sell it pretty soon and then flip it into something a little bit more conservative uh-huh and like we talk about how these companies they're screwed over by food delivery companies well it was announced today so uber they're not good guys they've passed some of the worst legislation the world has ever seen out in california with prop 22 and the uber business model a lot of the like disruption it's taken place it takes it out on uh, individuals like families they work their whole lives to save up for subway for taxi tokens that allow them to actually operate a NYC yellow cab. Right. And there wasn't anything they could do, right? Those are you talking about like tokens like medallions? Those yeah, medallions. medallions. Those, those things are so expensive, insane. So there's actually a new company in New York City called the Drivers Cooperative, TDC, and that's for woke New Yorkers who need to hail a cab. And so it's the first worker-owned ride-sharing platform owned by drivers, not big investors, no VC people, and they think they can gain on Uber and Lyft just by being nicer to the people who are running the company, who are working for that company. There's a top-down level of who's actually profiting. So you don't need to like scale vertically and slice up the pie like you do with so many modern businesses. Do they have an uh, Do they have an app? Yeah, it will be an app. The Drivers Cooperative. Maybe you can call them. And like, obviously, because it's not a giant, like really strategically engineered launch, it might not be on that same level, but this is the sort of company where if you do think, oh, maybe I want my dollars to go to a, diff- a good place, Uber has no competitors. They had Juno for a minute there. Lyft is a, a, the same awful company, but mm-hmm. it's nice to see unions getting involved with ride sharing, especially in light of how dire it's getting out in California. Yeah, I remember seeing a whole bunch of uh, people talking about that. What did you say? It was Prop 21 or whatever? Prop what 22. And, um, Prop 22, yeah. Yeah, because they, they classify their, their drivers as independent contractors, not employees. 
And But they also push the cost of the jobs onto the workers. They pay for their car, their maintenance, their health benefits. And this is exactly what we talked. We talked about this news story about when about with the WWE, right? Yeah, in like it's a similar situation. Well, it's, it, the WWE they don't make people pay in order to work. And That's true. if you if you're just trying to start up and drive for Uber, you've got to take care of all these costs. So now by binding together with a union element, it's going to put worker ownership into a part of our business world that's just controlled by some of the darkest VC money imaginable. Well, so that's, uh, I'll be interested to check out that, check that out. Then I had never heard about that until, uh, until today. So it, well, that's it, interesting. Well, it, it was just announced today. Oh, okay. And, so this is like breaking news. Yeah. And, and they're, it's not a huge launch. Their ambition is to have 10% of the New York city rideshare market, but that's a $5 billion market. So, yeah, ten percent of that. Is, I mean, that's a big. That's a pretty comparatively. That's a, a decent slice of pie. Yeah, and they're gonna do a pilot program this this month. They're going to take workers at a retirement home to and from. They're gonna be like clients. They're gonna be hired in advance. They're gonna know what mm-hmm. their shifts are. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a friendly business model for the workers. Will it work? Who's to say? I hope so, but. They've got Hamilton Nolan, who's a pretty respected journalist, writing about him, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh, well, do you, uh, what else? We talked, I feel like a lot, this episode's great because I feel like we've had some stuff kind of come, I don't know if it's full circle, but uh, we talked, didn't we talk a while about Microsoft uh, and like Slack and that whole thing? I feel like that came up a well, couple months ago. You know, Slack was one of the first stocks we had, and I'll never forget about it because I still get notifications all the time. It's We bought it around 22, it hung around 22, and as soon as it was purchased by Salesforce, it went up to 4232. Oh, huge. Yeah. I mean, no, go ahead. And it, they... Salesforce did give it a good valuation. It was sold for $27.7 billion. And, you know, maybe that's a big success for Slack. But really, I think they were just scared of how far Microsoft was infringing on their technology. Microsoft was taking that market share. So, you know, they took the payout. They got out of the game. And even Slack, which is an incredible product, and it works the best, it might not be able to match up with a corporate monolith that just makes it easier to use their product. I uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just like people are trying to... Uh, not proprietary is not the right word, but I think people are trying to, to get, get everything on their own platform and trying to keep you on their stuff as long as they can. So the more things, the more tools they can give you to stay there, the better. Yeah, one hundred percent, and they're they're giving you the tools to stay right there. You it's don't like have video games do that now. Video games don't want you to play any other games; they want you to play their games. So they're trying to do as much as they can to take your attention away from other things like that. I think it's all. I mean, it's literally gaming the system. It's all types of just different gaming, gambling, and all that stuff. It's just them trying to keep your eyes on their product as long as they can. Yeah, and keeping the new currency, it is eyeballs. No, you get paid. For attention, that's the real metric of worth in this current world we live in. So, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas there. Among them is why aren't we being paid for our data? I've got some good data out there. 
Why, yeah. why aren't you being paid for your data? Yeah, I put out a lot of data and I'm not getting paid for it. And uh, I'm just giving it up left and right. And I'm not making any money off of it. And Lord knows I need money. Yeah, that's why we're here. So Air, you should just start a company because Airbnb, they wanted to make $3.4 billion from their IPO. They made a hundred plus million. All their workers got in early. If you rented a place, you had the ability to, you know, get in, avoid that IPO mess. And they made a lot of people rich today. And a lot of people have been made rich this week, like the DoorDash IPO. Like SoftBank was all over that bad boy. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I saw something that said... The, the I guess I don't even know who these guys are, but I'm assuming they're like the top three people in the company. But just on the IPO, they immediately were just they went from being like mil, mul, like millionaires to like multimillionaires on a whole other level just within a couple hours of the IPO. Which I guess that's what you work for, I suppose. I don't know, um, but it does seem like it lends it lends more to that theory I have about it falling quickly. Like it seems like these guys are just going to rush in, do a quick cra- uh, cash grab, and then. Uh, let it all settle and see what happens. Yeah, and you know what? You can that that's the golden rule. And you know, we were kind of asked about that by one of our listeners actually. So they they wrote in, they wanted to know about PIC versus IPOC. So Matt, do me a favor, look up IPOC stock right now. All right, I'm looking it up. Uh wait, what did you use IPOC? IPOC. IPOC that's the, that's the only you sentence the you can say to Comedy Central in order to get a show greenlit. Yeah, no, no, please let me IPOC. <laughs> IPOC left and right. Uh, it's 11.50 currently. So it's 11.50, and what what is this company does? It, it, it's, a, it's a holdings corporation? It's that's soaring? It's up 2.4% today. Yeah, but look at, look at the pages for it. Tell me what this company does. Uh, uh, top stories with IPOC. Uh, open door. What do they sell? What do they make? What goods or service do they offer? Is there anything on this company with a positive stock chart, especially over the past week, that lets you know what they do? Not at all. But you know what? Over the last six months and the in the year to date, they've they've uh, it's been green. I'm looking at a lot of green here. A lot of going up. Not a lot of going down. And when it does go down, it comes back up. Yeah, because you know why? It's not a company. This is not this stock value. It's not being predicated on, you know, earnings reports on financial documents. This company, it it's a blank check check company. It's a development stage company. It's got no business plan. It's got no purpose, and the business it's to eventually buy another business. IPOC is set to merge with Clover. The merger should close in Q1 of 21. However, when the merger will close is a question mark, and it'll have a bid impact on IPOC's options. Buying the stock and writing $15 calls could present an interesting way to play the merger closing. Yeah, so they're called Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, SPACs. They're formed to raise money. They they do the IPO, and they get the money from the IPO, and then they buy their company. So we talk about how you can really benefit from an IPO if you work for a company, you develop it, you underwrite it, you divvy it up into shares, you sell it, and it's a consumer hit. Well, this, you form something that doesn't exist, you put the shares up for sale, then you use that money, that's when you buy your company. That This is the plan here. 
Yeah, this is it's like it sounds like snake oil sort of situations where they're like, I'm selling you they're selling you a home and you're only able to build the home after they've paid for it. Well, maybe you're buying a plot of land. You by you, you and you 20 other guys, you or girls, whoever one's a property owner in Joel Walkowski's America, damn it. So you guys, you all get a, a piece of this plot. And with your money, that's how they get the house. The more money they get in, the better the house is going to be. And then that house will go up in value. This is interesting. I, I don't think I've ever, I've never really seen something like this. And I don't think they want it to be like public knowledge because it is a little sketchy. You need to kind of view it sideways like a dog learning about math for the first time to really understand it. But the logic checks out to me. You raise the money. You put it in an interest-bearing trust. You can't disperse the money except to complete an acquisition. And if you don't do it, you return the money to investors when the company's liquidated. You got two... Nine ninety five about a month ago, and they're at about eleven fifty now. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then you, you, I want to buy it just to buy it. And like the guy who we wrote in about venture capitalists. Ooh, I. You ready for me to butcher this one? I'm ready. Chamath Palahaptia. And That's not bad. Chamath Palahaptia. Uh, yeah, I think I got it. Chamath Palahaptia. And so he, so he had a company that did this before very successfully. They're called Social Capital Holdings. That's his company. So he actually got 49% in one of the year's hottest stocks, Virgin Galactic, before the company even listed. Well, so this, uh, the the IP, uh, IPOC, when I typed it in, it says IPOC, it says Social Capital Hedosophia Holding Corp 3. Yeah, that's exactly so. it. But he's a cool guy, I, I think. What makes you say that? What does he uh, own a gun? No, he does not own a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what makes him cool. Um, well, he is a board member on the Golden State Warriors. Whoa, he is cool. a professional poker player. Wow, and, aren't we all? I mean, yeah, we're <laughs> all professional poker players, and. <laughs> You know, he's very kind of woke as opposed to a lot of Silicon Valley guys. He's in favor of new startups being taxed more than older companies. He's very forward thinking. And we've talked about how a lot of like supposedly altruistic companies aren't as good as they seem. It seems like social capital is genuinely trying to solve some problems. Interesting. Well, wait. So, is that wait? What is this company then? Are we because we're compa- we're going to compare IPOC to IPC, right? Yeah, but I mean, it was so interesting. I got lost in the weeds here a little bit. No, no, no. no. It's great. It's great. I like it. So, because we came in looking at IPOC, but now you're selling me on this this other guy. I'm I'm into this. Yeah, I, I like IPOC because then you, it's the only it's the first name that comes up when you want to figure out what these people have. He's done this this successfully in the past. Virgin yeah. Galactic made a ton of money. And but, you know, PIC, they're owned by a company called Pivotal and I think they're going to merge with a company called XL Fleet. XL Fleet, they do grid charging, they do plug-in hybrid electronic like 
product lines. They do it for GM vehicles, who was in the news for scaling back their partnership with Nikola, the world's biggest scam artist. So it's oh basic- yeah, crazy. Yeah, so I bet I guess it's it's a logistics company for the EV segment, and they're going to make it easier to have an electronic vehicle. Uh, I mean that that sounds like the most. That's like the when people think of future stocks, this is the stuff they think of, like the grids, charging, and that sort of stuff. I think it's great. Yeah, but I, it's kind of more fun if you get in on this earlier, like oh they merged with Fleet. Then you have like we had this stock already. We have Blug. But PI, IPOC, we've never had anything like that. It could be anything. It's like, it's a Merv Griffin scenario. You do, do you want what's behind door number one? You know that it's a fleet charging electronic vehicle company. Or you could go door number two. You have this charming guy. He, you don't know what he's going to build. You know he's done it well before. And you know he's a good poker player. So he's going to get the right end of that acquisition when it hits the fan. I don't know. I think I'm. I like the mystery. Give me door number two. Well, that's incredible. So we went. We went from uh, IPOC uh, to now we're believers in uh, Chamath. Yeah, Chamath is Chaman. Chamath, Chaman. We're believers. So, but do you think IPOC when it comes down to it, though? Do you think that's worth looking into as a potential buy? No. No. I mean, yeah, right now it is. Sure. You want to get it before the merger. After the merger, you're just getting this straight up normal company. But once they merge, you're getting all the pre-existing value. You're getting the new revenue streams. You're getting the new, the pre-existing assets, the pre-existing liabilities, which isn't great if they're buying a tech company. But it's just more fun for me. Well, do you think that uh, all that stuff is baked into the price already? I know that's a, that's a that's a case where some of that sometimes that happens, sometimes sometimes it isn't. Do you think the one point eight six percent of growth uh, in the last five days? Do you think that is predicated? I think I used that word correctly on the rumors the, of the merger. I guess what I'm saying is, do you think it's too late? It's not too late, right? No, no, because specs are Wall Street's biggest money maker. They do well, like hedge funds, they drove $80 billion into this segment last year. And you know what? I don't see this being pushed on Robinhood. There's nothing make all the good information. You have to find it. So this, we found the information. SPAC is like, even if you're going to go belly up, it's fine. You're getting in at a low price. They're just listed stocks. And if the big boys are doing it, it is kind of the spec boom of 2020 is probably the biggest Wall Street story of the year. But no one's really noticed it outside of their bubble. Like a couple of hedge funds made their money. There was a couple NYU academic articles about it. And it's good because the risk is kind of risk free. If they don't purchase that company, the money comes back to you. Interesting. Well, okay, so, but, and I guess before we kind of move on to the next topic, this has been interesting, but I, I do want to say this. We are obviously, we, as, as our listeners are aware, we do our, what the research we can and we try our best and you should invest in, you know, follow your own, do your own due diligence and all that stuff. But I did see something funny. It wouldn't be an episode without a little a Tesla news. Tesla is trading right now at about $650. Uh, around there it's been trading around there for like the last couple days and jp morgan gave them a price target recently 
uh, even like as of maybe yesterday, of ninety dollars. Ninety dollars so, a share. Ninety dollars. So there's an analyst, Ryan Brinkman, told clients not to increase their holdings in Tesla to approximate its weight in the S and P 500 of, ahead of its inclusion on December 20, uh, 21st. Um, so according to Bloomberg data, investors who followed this guy uh, received a negative 867% return in the past year. <laughs> so uh, that just goes to show. Uh, when, you know, when, when, did, when did that information come out? When did what? The, when, the, yeah, the information? Yeah, when did that information on this guy's like earnings, his results as a trader... I just saw it. I mean, I just saw it today. So I don't know when it came out, but I just saw it uh, posted today. And I guess somebody else had posted that he. They, I guess they do rankings on some of the in some of these um, analysts and things like that. And out of like seven, out of like I'm gonna say out of seven thousand, he's ranked in like the top six thousand. And uh, obviously, that's not good to be like or in the in the bottom six thousand or whatever. Yeah, but if he's more of a researcher, he's probably not doing that much day-to-day trading, so that's not the right way to evaluate him. And I also think everyone, all the Tesla stands were very upset at this. They can be a sensitive bunch. I think you know that. Have I been known to be? Yeah, sensitive Matt. And I think he was just attacked by all of the trolls who saw some information they didn't like, and he he isn't. He didn't say anything that I haven't said myself. He said, "Direct quote: It's difficult to conceive them achieving their valuation." This- I just don't think. Well, either I don't know. I didn't mean for this to turn into a whole Tesla thing. I just thought that was a very uh, interesting little tidbit. Um, but I also think, like, I mean, Tesla has the. They haven't even, uh, we, I've said this before, but they haven't released their trucks yet. And I guess we're probably going to get into this later, but there's an, a stock I think people should maybe look at called Steel Dynamic that is rumored to maybe be uh, working with Tesla to provide the metal for the, the Tesla trucks. I Jim Cramer, I hate to quote Jim Cramer, but he was talking about how like, and I believe this, and maybe it's because I'm one of these Tesla stands, but te- Elon Musk is like, the new Steve Jobs. I mean, he's going to make, he's making these trucks. He's making um, the, all these batteries. He's making rockets. He's doing all this stuff. It's like the man can do, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And I think that Tesla down the line is going to, they're going to have such a huge amount of money. I mean, they're going to be huge. It's, they're going to be huge. It's, it's they're going to be everywhere. They're going to be like Apple level. Yeah. But even in that scenario, they don't justify the valuation. Like, they're supposedly worth $600 billion. And these cars are expensive to make. How are they going to achieve those margins realistically? And I don't understand. Didn't Tesla issue $5 billion worth of stock two months after issuing a stock split? I don't understand that. Well, they're going to, well, that's the thing too, is there's talks more of the, of them. There's talks of them issuing more stock out to people, which is annoying, a little bit annoying to me because it's going to dilute my shares a little bit, but, and I'm not going to get more shares or anything like that. It's just going to dilute what I have. Um, but I, I mean, there's no, if, if Apple can be a trillion dollar company, there's no reason to think that Tesla can't also be a trillion dollar company. But down you, the line. you don't think it's troubling? Like Apple, they would do these maneuvers every eight to 12 years as necessary to reflect the growth of their economy. And mm-hmm. 
I'm seeing this growth in a manner of months with no motivation behind it. And you just have to go, oh, this guy's a genius. It's going to work out because it's worked out so far. And like, if you're so far ahead of the game, if you have it all figured out like this, why are they treating the stock asset like it's something they need to wring as much coin out of right now while they can? I mean, that's very fair. I mean, I, they're not perfect, obviously. You know, there are those quotes where Elon Musk is talking about how he, like, if they don't rein in their spending, they're not going to make X, Y, Z um, goals. It's like, I, they're not, they're definitely not perfect. But I think the thing is people are, people are sold on the potential. That's what got me in early. I'm, again, I've been on Tesla since it was, I think I got in on Tesla at like, 100, like $145 on a couple of shares. I got in wicked early. I was walking around in a Tesla t-shirt and people were looking at me like I was an insane person. Um, but I think people are, the money and the value is in the potential down the line of what they're going to hopefully do and what they hope to do. If they ever eventually decide to lease their battery technology, I mean, there's, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I do believe in that there's a lot of potential to make a lot of money. But, uh, why, but why? They just did the stock split in September, right? Mm-hmm. Why is there a need for them to make $5 billion right now? It feels short-sighted. They've made everything in the world off this stock. People have made money with them. I don't understand why the dilution, why shares being sold time to time and at the market offering program. I right. don't know why that's just aligning with, why is it so soon? That's the right. red flag to me. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree, and I don't have an answer to that. I really, I don't know what the what the point of that is. I mean, it goes back to like why. I mean, you could boil it down to why does Elon Musk do any of the things he do, does? Why did he tweet out, you know, funding secured? Like, I'll never forget the day that happened. That's the stock shot up like crazy that day. It's like why? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm assuming that there's some plan there. Yeah, but, but it it, it just doesn't seem if you are the front runner, if you're the industry leader. I don't, it just doesn't seem like these are the sort of actions that you would expect from industry leaders. Yeah, but do you think, I mean, do you ever think, no rich person has ever been like, we, I have enough. Like, no rich person, is, and I think that goes with for a company also. I don't think any company's ever like, we've made enough profit for now. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they care. Okay, so I, I have the stats. So after the, the, the stock split, they have $14.5 billion cash on hand. Why do they need another five? That's a lot of money. They're not currently using it. It's not accounted for according to their statements. What capital intensive project requires another $5 billion for them? Do you think they're putting any of that money into SpaceX? Do you think that's possible? Is that a crime? That's yeah, yeah crime. that's it's extremely like... illegal. They cannot do that. Um, <laughs> they, they'd probably get off with a probation, but yeah, it's against every rule between generally accepted accounting principles. I mean, down the line, Tesla, or SpaceX is going to be there. There's going to be a military contract with SpaceX. I guarantee that. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think there's a ton of military contractors doing the same sort of work that we've never really focused in on. If it's on a consumer platform, I, it's hard to imagine it being put to use for the military. I just feel like with SpaceX, SpaceX has taken over NASA for the most part. That's what it feels like. You don't hear much about NASA anymore, but you hear about SpaceX and SpaceX is partnered with NASA. I don't know. I'm just talking. Now I'm just talking conspiracy, but I, it wouldn't surprise me. People are always like hyped about 
you know, Elon Musk sent a car into space. It's like he's also sending he's also going to help the government send satellites to Mars to watch us shit. Yeah. And didn't SpaceX have a crash yesterday? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see that. Yeah, it um, yeah, maybe it was designed to be a crash, maybe. But it, it didn't look great. Wasn't a good crash. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, right. well, either I didn't mean to get off on a Tesla tangent like that, but I, you know, I love to talk Tesla, and I just thought that was an interesting uh, little thing I read today. Um, very, very interesting. Somebody stand out so so adamantly against in such a strong way to be like ninety dollars. I'm gonna issue a thing. I I give Tesla my valuation eighty nine dollars per share. <laughs> oh, you would undercut. Wait till the internet gets a hold of you. Yeah, come come give me the Ryan Brinkman treatment, bad boys. <laughs> You and Brinkman are gonna be uh, you're gonna be running out of town on a rail. I don't know the lead automotive equi- equity research analyst at J.P. Morgan. I think he's doing quite all right. Yeah, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he's got more money than half the people that commented about him have put together. So I'm sure he's fine. Oh damn, he's from Michigan. Look at that. Oh, I went to a better Uh-oh. school than Ryan Brinkman. Let's Ooh. go. Oh, let's get Ryan Brinkman on the podcast. I, I don't think he would do it. Defend yourself. No, we could. We present him a, a platform to speak his mind. I, I don't think if you're allowed, to, if you work for a major corporation, you're not allowed to really have do like PR. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. You yeah, you're probably right. He can't probably come out and speak to the guy. Yeah, the, the guy who does auto valuations is doing podcasts for us. Yeah, I'm sure that'll help the company conceivably. What, what are the benefits, potential gains versus the p- potential disasters for it? Yeah, you know, don't you want to get some good PR on your side from a couple of guys? Come on. Yeah, my mom will think you're good. Yeah. So what what do you want us to buy? Steel? Why should I buy a Shaq movie on DVD? Steel, uh, so you can get that Shaq tattoo you've been thinking of. Never get a Shaq Um, tattoo. Only basketball player get a tattoo of is John Collins, and that's personal. (laughs) Oh, not Oakley? You You don't want that? No, I've got I've got a sweatshirt from his car wash. I'm good. So I guess <laughs> I guess uh, steel. They're going to be the steel supplier to the Tesla trucks. Yeah. So leg- legend has it that uh, the Tesla truck is going to be coming soon, and Steel Dynamic is the name that I've heard the most as a potential supply uh, company for that. Which we've talked about before. It's a good way. You know, if you drill down in investing, people think, okay, well, I'm going to invest in Tesla. But it's like, oh, all right, well, maybe look into what Tesla uses, like lithium, uh, metal, um, you know, uh, probably labor from somewhere that's not America. I don't know. But either way, um, yeah, I just think Steel Dynamic, just even based off the rumors of the news, uh, they rose, th- the shares rose 3.7%, uh, which has helped it get to its highest uh, point in two years on the Nasdaq. So, uh, and I haven't looked at it now, but when I checked it today, it was almost to forty dollars. So I'm not sure if it closed up uh, to forty or not. But I just think that is interesting. This was one of those things where it's a gamble. Where if you're right and it does, they do end up using them. That could make you some money uh, down the line uh, pretty quickly. So again, could it make you a stuff? ton of money though? Because I, I I think they're not a hyped company. They're not a company like Tesla or DoorDash or Airbnb where they talk about them and they have like a renowned enough leader at the helm. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about why does Elon Musk act these ways? And there are a lot of studies correlating charismatic leadership, which is just a certain leadership style that I would argue is a skill. And by acting a certain way in public, uh, 
like unconventional behavior. Other tenants are you're receptive to your employee needs, but there is a correlation between CEOs acting in unconventional ways and high returns on major stock market exchanges. So I w- that's probably why it's there. So on the other hand, Steel is a traditionally computed company, and yeah, they're worth about $40 a share now, but it's amazingly expensive to produce steel. It's mm-hmm. a huge industry, so it's not going to be like they they can master this and have a crazy amount of growth. They right. can maybe have good, steady margins, but... right. And just because, I mean, and that's the thing, you're not, you're 100% right, because also you have to look at the the scale, you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but the scale of these trucks, all right, they're building a, a ton of trucks. So Steel Dynamics is not going to be the sole provider of steel. We don't know how big of a percentage um, of the cars that are gonna be being made are going to be made with Steel Dynamics steel. You know, they could give them a small contract for not a lot of time and they could only use them for a little bit and never touch them again. So um, that's why I kind of brought it up because there is potential there. I mean, it could be it could be a, a little bit of a, a way to make a little bit of money, but at the, uh, at the same time, like I said, it could be if they only use them for a small contract and then they don't use them again, um, there you go. And we could do that or we could get into Relax, which... Chinese electronic cigarette company with a female CEO. Wow. Let's take a moment to to appreciate how the irony of a Chinese cigarette company calling relax when the Chinese people aren't allowed to relax at all. Yeah. And they were only founded two years ago and now they have 60% of all Chinese sales. They have 40,000 factory workers and they have the nets up. So it'll stay 40,000 factory workers (laughs) And they're also, they're partnered with Sequoia, who made a ton of money on this DoorDash IPO yesterday. So, I don't know, if you want to think high upside things, maybe a Chinese electronic cigarette is the way to go. I'm, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm going to base this off of not a lot of knowledge, but I feel like China has got to have tons of people that smoke over there. It's got to be a smoky country, I would imagine. Yeah, and you know China's got the best electronic cigarettes. Yeah, so Sequoia, the company behind this new, they were behind not only DoorDash, but Airbnb. So, you know what? Maybe I'll just be backing anything. They've got their fingers rigged to the hearts and minds that really pump up the worth of a stock. So, you know, not bad. I'll throw throw money at that before I throw it at a steel company. Sorry to shit all over your argument there. What? <laughs> uh, you're fine. You know, whatever. We got to keep it, keep it, keep it moving. You know. Not right. a big guy. I, I understand. I'm gonna do my segment. Kill some time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we had the uh, gathering of the financial jugglers over the weekend. We were in Rhode Island. I didn't really post much on social media. I don't know how many. I do get a couple messages from you, uh, listeners, on Instagram. I don't really know how many of you are on my Instagram, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, we went to Rhode Island. Uh, had a little fun. Um, by the water, quarantined in a nice little little condo. Uh, thanks to Joel and Gabby, that was nice. I had a nice little birthday. I got a couple messages from you, uh, you guys. So that was good. So hopefully you guys are making a little bit of money. Um, we are recording remotely again. Joel and I are not together. Uh, Joel's in his new apartment. I'm in my room, and uh, I don't know if you guys can tell, 
but uh, I feel like we have a pretty good setup now. It took us a couple months to finally get it figured out, but we did it. We got a uh, we got a good mic. I got my headphones. What'd you talk about? Sound good. Oh, I just told them about our Rhode Island trip and uh, how much I uh, enjoyed my birthday and how we're recording remotely and no longer having to kiss each other every time we we lean in. That was good. I liked being so close to you. It was a good episode. I'm not going to lie. It was a good episode. We got good feedback, and uh, I think we accomplished a lot. It was nice, but I think we sound good. It took us a couple months, but we finally got it. Uh, we finally got the remote recording um, sorted out. I feel like my mic sounds great. Yeah, I, I got a nice mixer rig set up. The, the Props Network boys, they taught me how to do this upright, so hopefully we sound a little better. Yeah, you sound great. You, I feel like we're in the same room together. Honestly, it's crazy. We are. Don't look behind you. <laughs> Um, you want to talk about Twitter real quick? Yeah, let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about Jack Dorsey putting up the big money. He wants that UBI. Universal basic income. A lot of countries are doing it. Finland is doing it, I believe. Sweden. Are they the same country? They're pretty close. No, Finland's Um, not even in Scandinavia. Don't tell them that. (laughs) Um... But uh, yeah, I just thought this was interesting because we talk about CEOs and that's one of the things I like about this podcast, honestly, is I like talking about money and, and, and things like that and being able to make money. But it's also interesting the people behind the money and like the CEOs that are making these decisions. It's a very interesting part of the podcast to me. So we all obviously know Jack Dorsey is part of it, is the um, head guy at Twitter and he donated 15 millions to a pilot program that's going to test out universal income in uh california which i think is interesting especially in times like these when uh when everything is crazy and everyone kind of needs money and we can't get congress to help us and all that stuff so i just thought that was interesting time now i don't know when these are going to start it doesn't look like they're um gonna be happening anytime soon but i just thought that was an interesting thing to do yeah what what pilot program do we see first do we see the new york unionized cabs or do we see universal basic income from the twitter guy Probably the cabs. <laughs> I would imagine the cabs. Yeah, and I mean, you can't just impose UBI onto a town, right? You're like, hey, you guys want to... How do you account for that? Is it taxed? Does the city have to sign off on it? What if you have a job? Are you allowed to have a job anyway? I guess that is kind of the point of UBI. You have enough to get by, and then you can still work if you want to. Yeah, see, and that's the thing, too. There's, I've heard people talk about UBI, and there's people that are like, that's communism and all this stuff, and it's like, it's all above my head. I, I That's the other reason I thought this was an interesting story, because I don't really know much about it. So if you have an opinion on it, um, I would love to hear it, because like I said, I'm trying to educate myself more about it and more about the concept, and I just think it's interesting that he's willing to give $15 million to try this out, because let's say this works perfectly. It goes really well, and it becomes you know, it becomes a big deal. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, cities involved in the income pilot program will receive $500,000 to continue funding the programs uh, that have already launched. So I guess this is like a continuation of something that's already kind of been tried. Um, he was a big supporter of Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, one of his uh, big platforms for running for president was the ubi so and he might run for mayor of new york yeah he's kicking the tires on it so i mean maybe ubi is the next big idea maybe we can really have enough agreement between both sides of the aisle to really make progress on ideas but i don't think we're getting there anytime soon but maybe maybe you'd be able to meet andrew yang again 
Yeah, that would be great. Can you imagine? I'm gonna I'm gonna get some more uh, some more use out of that picture he and I took together. I thought once he dropped out of president uh, as, as the presidential race, I was like, well, that picture's done for, but no longer. It's gonna breathe new life. Is he? Does he live in New York? I feel like we would know if he lived in New York. I would have seen him around. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's a very good question. I don't know. He seems like he would live in like Houston, Texas, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get. Maybe he's here. If Andrew, if you live in New York, you are legally obligated to tell us. And yeah, I guess he does live in New York. He lives in Schenectady. He uh, teaches at okay. Columbia University. But you know what? That's not enough for me. If you, I'm not going to consider you a New Yorker until I see you get a cigarette from a bodega. Sorry, I don't make the rules, Andrew. Yeah, I want to see how you buy a Lucy, and then we'll talk. Yeah, I mean, that. honestly, we don't need a presidential debate. Just have me watch them buy a Lucy. We're there. Yeah. Can you be cool? Yes, you can. All right, then. You're in. Boom. Well, do we have anything we else, else we want to talk about here? Uh, I mean, I think we're good. I don't know. I wrote down the Facebook uh, antitrust thing. I just thought that was interesting, but I don't really have any thoughts on it. I fucking hate Facebook. Yeah, we like him now. That's where Chamath came from. He was a Facebook executive first. Yeah, and he said, "I'm out. Fuck this shit." Yeah, he's done. If you if you can't if you can't make our guy happy, you can't make me happy. I hope all the senators take y'all down. Yeah, 46 states. What are the other one? What are the? I am curious. 46 states. Um, which ones? I wonder which ones did not join. I'm very curious about that. Do we know that? Do you know that? Um, what they're trying state? to basically. I think what I gleaned from this is they're focusing on Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, and uh, trying to like stop that from being a thing, stop trying try, trying to like break them up. Maybe I think. Yeah, this I'm... Is a segment called "Mad Speculates on a Story." Okay, so Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and South Dakota did not sign on, but Washington D.C. and Guam they did. Oh, Our... that's good then. At least South Dakota did not join. I mean, De los Mio. All yeah, right. my God. Well, I have got Gabby coming home right now. I'll have to edit this out if I stop right now. So let's do a little sign-off here. I'm Joel Walkowski. Listen That's to us Tilly. here. That's my dog barking a ton. Tilly, be quiet, please. We're signing off. And over there is Matt Backus. You can get us every week here at Hold My Bread, or you can subscribe to my other projects, TP and the Walk-On over at the Props Network. That would help me out tremendously. Thank you. Good night.